Uh, welcome everyone to Hope Radio and the Hope Club podcast as well. It's where we study God's Word and find hope for life. I'll tell you, we need a lot of hope these days, don't we? Oh, indeed we do. You know where a lot of hope comes from? Learning about God's grace. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're learning about the grace of God. And you know why that's important? Because when we realize grace, it becomes a life changer. Oh yeah, we're going to see that today. Grace is a life changer. When you read the story of the prodigal son, you saw a a man who went from the pig pen back to his father's house, and he was restored to all that he had before he left. That was grace. We're going to see another example of grace in action today. You know what I call it? I call it the invitation that changed someone's world. Okay, let's get right into it. David has now become the second king of Israel. Um, That's because God had rejected the first king, who was Saul. God rejected him, and uh, David was next in line. Now, during King Saul's persecution of David, David and Jonathan, who was Saul's son, they became the best of friends, okay? And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42, this is while Saul was hunting for David, Jonathan said to David, Go in safety, inasmuch as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord will be between me and you, and between my descendants and your descendants forever. So they're making a pact, a pact that they'll always have a godly friendship, and so will their offspring. Well, sadly, not much later, Jonathan died in battle. But David remembered their covenant. Think about it. Promises are made to be remembered. Okay? We don't forget promises. We remember them. So as we learn about one of the greatest aspects of God's relationships to us, grace, we're going to see this grace in action. Again, what is grace? The unmerited, undeserved favor of God that goes to people of his choosing. In other words, God determines and God decides who gets grace. We all get grace to some degree, and God gives greater grace to others. Matter of fact, the Bible says he gives greater grace to the humble. So if you're humble, you'll get more grace. If you're full of pride, man, you're not going to get too much. (laughs) So today, I want to bring you to a land of lifelessness and show you how an act of grace can change someone's world. We will take a journey from grace to kindness to righteousness. It's a story about rescue and redemption. And by the way, this is our story as well. As we read this story, 
We're going to see our place in the story. Okay, so David has now taken the throne as the king of Israel. Enter grace. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Oh, he remembered the covenant that they made a covenant and the Lord would always be between them and their descendants. So David's asking around, who of the descendants of Saul, which were also the descendants of Jonathan, who are they that I can show kindness to them? This is truly grace. Because remember Saul, he made himself the enemy of David. And being the reigning king of Israel, When God rejected him and chose David, Saul became very jealous and enraged, and he dedicated the remaining years of his life to destroying David. And yet here comes grace. Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So here we see David keeping his promise, the promise that he made to Jonathan regarding the covenant that would even extend to their descendants. Okay, verse 2. There was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? (laughs) <laughs> Remember, that's where kindness originates, right? With God. David is looking for opportunities to show kindness. Wow, how many people do that? They're sensitive to the world around them. And they look for opportunities to show kindness. And Zebra said to the king, Well, there's still a son of Jonathan, but wait. He's crippled in both feet. Crippled in both feet. That's his identity. That's how he's recognized. Not by his name or his royal blood, but by his condition, his malady. He's crippled. See how easy it is to label people according to their condition rather than who they are as a person. What is someone's condition? Maybe it's a mistake they made, or a disability, or their appearance. What is someone's person? It's their name, it's their character, maybe their vocation. It's who they are as an individual. How is it that this son of Jonathan became crippled? Well, in Second Samuel chapter 4, in verse 4, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And the report was that the Philistines were attacking. So when they heard the Philistines were coming, his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So at five years old, he became crippled. So King David said to him, said to Ziba, Well, where is he? 
And Ziba said to the king, Oh, behold, he's in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. You know what Lodabar means? Pastureless. It means wasteland. It's the land of lifelessness. It's a place where nothing grows. And whatever life there is, it struggles to survive. That's where Mephibosheth was living. And he was crippled in both feet. Enter the grace that changed someone's world. And then King David sent, and he brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar, from the wasteland. And Mephibosheth, verse 6, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, he came to David, and he, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here is your servant. See, Mephibosheth didn't parade himself around as a royal heir. He was the grandson of Saul. Nor did he have an attitude against this new king who took his grandfather's place. Not at all. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Now, you know the word kindness In the Hebrew, it's the word for grace. I will show grace to you. And he said, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly. See what grace does? Grace invites. Kindness restores. Mephibosheth couldn't believe what was happening to him. He even considered himself so unworthy. You know what he called himself? A dead dog. In verse 8, again, he prostrated himself and he said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? That's how worthless he felt. Totally undeserving of this. But you see, that's what grace goes to. This is what people need to understand. Grace goes to the undeserving. That's why it's grace. Sometimes the lowest place to be is the best place. Because that's where we receive the grace of God. So now we have a rescue and redemption. It gets better. Verse 9. Then the king called Saul, Saul's servant, Ziba. And he said to him, Ziba, all that belonged to Saul and to all of his house, I, has, I have given to your master's grandson. In other words, I'm giving back everything Saul owned to little Mephibosheth. And Ziba, your sons will cultivate his farms. And you will be sure that he has food in his house. And Ziba, yes, king. Oh, and Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Wow. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. 
and he ate at the king's table regularly. This, folks, is the grace that changed someone's world. What do we see? What's the, the, the progression here? Grace invites, kindness restores, and now righteousness covers. Don't forget, the Bible says, now he was lame in both feet. I would say Mephibosheth had some crooked feet. He couldn't walk. He had ancient day crutches to walk. And he'd enter the king's dining hall. Scraping along the floor. And he sat at the table. And the tablecloth covered his feet. See, Mephibosheth was accepted into the king's home as a member of the family. Why? Because of grace. It was grace that changed his world. Now, a beautiful story like this, a beautiful account, requires application. And here's the application. God has offered us all grace that changes our world. Grace invites. Mephibosheth was in a family that was an enemy of David. He was the grandson of Saul. Saul was David's enemy. And yet, in Romans 5.10, you know what it says? While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Wow. Think about it. God has invited us in. Secondly, Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet. Oh, Romans 5, 6. While we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. More grace. Helpless. Could you get any more helpless than Mephibosheth living in Lodabar, in the wasteland, and the kid couldn't walk on his own. It was a life with no hope. And yet, while we were helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then thirdly, Mephibosheth was given grace that would change his world. He was restored back. And you know what Jesus said when he was on the earth? He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I want you to see today what grace does. Grace invites. Kindness restores. Ephesians 2.12 You were at that time, Paul said, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers 
to the covenants of promise, having no hope, no hope, and without God in the world. These people, these Ephesians, they had no hope and no God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's us. We've been brought near. We've been brought back, reconciled by the shed blood of Christ. That's the grace of God. We didn't do it. We couldn't do it. We were crippled living in Lodabar. Nothing we could do to help ourselves. Nothing. God did it all. That's why David said, I want to show somebody the kindness of God. And that's a beautiful picture of us receiving the grace and the kindness of God. And then the last thing we see, wow, because this is so important. Grace invites, kindness restores, righteousness covers. Romans 4, 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. This is what can happen when you receive God's grace that can change your world. That's what happens. As the tablecloth covered Mephibosheth's feet, Christ's righteousness covers our sins. You see how, man, people need to understand the grace of God. Because if you understand God's grace, you're going to understand God. And we're living in a world today where people are uninformed. I think sometimes even the church, it gives the wrong impression of God. And, 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 and the, the grace of God needs to be taught, needs to be revealed. It needs to be lived out. Jesus came to, what did he say? I came to explain my Father, manifest my Father, reveal my Father. And he did it not only with words, but with actions. And how did he do it? By being loving and caring and sensitive and giving grace and forgiving the sinner. He forgave people that sought forgiveness. He forgave people whose hearts knew that they were broken and they needed to be put back together again. He was there for anybody that that needed his touch. He was there for them. He didn't refuse anyone. The only ones he refused were those who were prideful because they refused him first. That's it. But the woman caught in adultery, the woman with the issue of blood, the man at the pool of Bethesda, the lame man, blind Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus up in the tree, the tax collector. He invited them all. Why? Because they knew that they were needy. Maybe that's all it takes, right? Mephibosheth, he knew he was needy. I can't walk. I live in a wilderness. I have no hope. This is my life. It's not good. And David got wind of it. Changed everything. Maybe people need to be more honest with themselves. 
You know, we can't live behind a facade of self-righteousness. You can't do that. Because you know what that does? That facade separates us from God. God gives grace to the humble. So in humility, we look at ourselves and we acknowledge the truth about ourselves. And what is the truth? We all need a Savior. We all are living in a spiritual Lodabar. And we're all spiritually crippled and helpless. But God's grace, God's grace seeks us out. Because that's what it does. And it changes our world. I guess the question is, will you let God's grace change your world? Because His grace rescues and redeems. It's a good thing. It changes. You know, look at your life. How much has your life changed through the grace of God? Some will say, oh, it's changed a lot. And others might say, oh, hasn't really changed that much. And you know what the difference is? How much do you understand God's grace? Because you know what I see God's grace as? A motivator. Oh, yeah. Grace motivates you to godliness. The Apostle Paul said, when he compared himself to all the other disciples, the apostles, he said, listen, I labored more than all of them. But it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was with me. That Paul understood God's grace so much. That's why he was fired up for God. That's why he never quit. When they stoned him, he got back up and walked back into the city. When they beat him, when they whipped him, he didn't quit preaching the gospel. When they threw him in jail, he was singing songs at midnight. Why? Because when you understand the grace of God, oh, here it comes, you don't quit. Grace is a motivator. Grace keeps you moving. Grace is that fuel, that understanding that says, wow, Look at what God has done for me. I can't quit now. How can I quit now? How can I check out now when God's grace has done all this for me? That's what we need to understand. That's why I say, you know what? Read the Gospels and watch Jesus in action. And watch Jesus give grace and maybe have a little notebook and, and just take notes when, when Jesus, and note when Jesus gave grace to people. Sometimes he was, he rebuked them. Sometimes he was harsh. He called them names, but he gave grace to those that really would receive it. That's the key. And you know what you're going to see? You're going to see yourself in those scenes. You'll say, there I am. I'm in the Bible. I'm in those stories. And maybe see yourself as a greater recipient of the grace of God. Because there's a lie in the church today. It's not even in the church, but it keeps people out of the church. And you know what that lie is? That you have to be good enough. That you have to be worthy to receive God's grace. That you have to make the grade to receive God's grace. Well, you know what? The story of Mephibosheth teaches us that we are helpless and hopeless. And there's nothing we can do to change our situation. 
And that makes us recipients of the grace of God. That's what it takes to receive God's grace. To recognize your own helplessness and hopelessness spiritually. That's what it takes. And you know, very successful people have a hard time with that. Because their natural success fools them into thinking that they have spiritual success. They're apples and oranges. It doesn't where you, it doesn't matter where someone is in the natural world. Whether you're a winner or a loser, what matters is where are you in the spiritual world? And sometimes in the natural world, being in Lodabar helps us to see our need in the spiritual world. Think about that. So that's why Lodabar was a lifesaver for Mephibosheth. Lodabar humbled him and made him a recipient of the grace of God. And that's what we need to be. We need to be recipients of God's grace. Nothing we can do to deserve it. Nothing we can do to say, you know what, God? You owe me some grace. No. He owes us nothing. But he gives us grace as a gift. Because he is a graceful God. And people need to see that. And we need to demonstrate that. If you understand God's grace, you need to reveal that. Like Jesus manifested the Father. We need to manifest the grace of God. And how do we do it? And the grace that we give to other people. That's how we do it. Give grace to others like God gave it to you. this Mephibosheth story that's got to be my favorite in the whole Old Testament because it's such a picture of who we are and how God is there for us if you receive God's offer he will fulfill it his offer of forgiveness his offer of eternal life he will come through with his promise Well, you can hear this message again. I think I will. At the Hope Club podcast. Share these messages. Messages of grace. These are the things not only Christians need to hear, but non-Christians, so they can get an honest picture of who God really is. So check it out later at the Hope Club podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found. And they're found everywhere. So as Paul would say... Go in grace.